While Michael finishes his dairy snack, <laughs> um, I think the the intent today, and for, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, gentlemen, is to record a relatively short product podcast conversation that uh, really is um, has some practical and uh, actionable information during this time when people find themselves um, circling a ten foot by ten foot room. Or something. You're literally right. asking us to not be ourselves. Well, practical and short. <laughs> Everybody just tuned off. At, now, this would not, should not be misconstrued as us giving advice, like not a recommendation of what you should do. And I believe we're going to kick off today's conversation with Keegan reading some nutritional guidelines. Um, which have been uh, produced, created, imagined, broadcast by the World Health Organization. Who? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've been waiting for that for 10 minutes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so, uh, please, um, how do I set this up? Or well, do you just, you just launch? Yeah, I can just send it. Um, and this is, I don't know why this needs to be specific, but it's only for adults. So I don't know what age adulthood starts at anymore, but if you're not of age, this advice apparently does not pertain to you. No, but this is advice, which we are simply a conduit for communicating. I, I have we found have not this. created this advice. This is, we cannot be held responsible for this advice, nor should I believe you listen to it. However, you should listen to it. To go ask a medical professional about this advice, because they will probably parrot the same information. So this was found on the World Health Organization website, and it is, like I said, advice for adults, for nu nutrition advice for adults during COVID-19 specifically for some reason. Um, so big thumbs up, big check mark, eat unsaturated fats. So their recommendations are fish, avocado, nuts, olive oil, soy oil, canola oil, flour, sunflower oil, and corn oils. Corn? Yes. So heavily processed, <laughs> rancid vegetable oils, good thing. Okay, Thumbs so up. if you're a carnivore, <laughs> nice. Um, you've just been, uh, you know, given you got free reign. Yeah, um, <laughs> free range. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't eat saturated fats. Big X. Cross that out. So um, don't eat fatty meat, butter, palm, coconut oil, cream, cheese, ghee, and lard. Those are bad. There it goes. I'm dying, guys. I'm. You can't eat anymore. I can't, I can't <laughs> eat a fucking thing that's on that list. Here's so. What, but wait, ooh, I got one more. Oh, yeah, yeah, there's I a third category. It also says don't eat industrially processed trans fat, which adds confusion to the soy, canola, sunflower, <laughs> corn oils you are allowed to have. No, they fractionated the trans no, the, fat. No, out you, of those. you are recommended to have. Right. So thumbs up. Do not eat processed foods, fast foods, snack foods, fried foods, frozen pizza, pies, cookies, margarines, or spreads. Now, who? Should, Michael, your idea mm -hmm. was to just 
post some ingredients in a margarine, you know, photograph of a margarine label. Yeah, um, right. Uh, and and anyway, so who <laughs> listens? Like, who is this directed at? Because I, my sense is that the 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 majority of the heavy lifting um that the organization does is aimed at cultures lo- geographic locations cultures whatever um for whom frozen pizza couldn't happen because there are no freezers so it's not even available to begin with i i yeah. Here's the, here's anyway, the first margarine that's that just I pulled a, up. It's just a probably a generalization and ingredients. Can... Vegetable oil. <laughs> <laughs> second <laughs> second ingredient, partially hydrogenated soybean oil. Third ingredient, soybean oil. Fourth ingredient, water. Fifth ingredient, soy lecithin. <laughs> and there you have it. So <laughs> that's margarine. That's margarine. So you can only have corn oil if it's still oil. And not and not a spread and not hydrogenated. Hydrogenated. So I I had some a couple questions about this. So I went digging. Like, much. hold on a second. The only reason you'd have advice like that that is contradictory in in the in the lightest sense. Yes. And flat out wrong. And I guess in the worst sense, harmful for people. Advice that actually would put them in harm's way, especially giving advice for COVID-19, which, Specifically. Is, which seems to be reacting to, in, to one, obese people, which we don't, I hope we don't have to explain why all the products that they said to avoid and all the products they said to, to actually indulge in are kind of- Contribute to that condition. Yeah. So I thought, like, why would they do that? So I started reading some stuff. Oh, goodness. Do I need to put my tinfoil hat on? No, because I'm not oh. I'm not assuming anything. So I went to a site, and it showed their donors. Okay. Um, and there's a large list. A large list of donors to the World Health yeah. Organization. There's about 10 pharmaceutical companies. Okay. Um, and then there's their largest donor, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and Trust. $443 million a year. I, it is not a donation because it needs to be used specifically how they say to use it. Now, that doesn't say anything on its own. I'm not, this has nothing to do with like Bill Gates wanting to vaccinate the world. That's something else. But their holdings, Bill Gates, the trust, how they continue to make money off of their nonprofit is they, they have certain holdings. Um, this is where it gets weird. Their number one is in Berkshire Hathaway, and I'll read that stuff later. But uh, second one, McDonald's, Coca-Cola, Waste Management, Walmart, Coca-Cola, FEMSA, Costco, Monsanto. Oh, weird. Did, did I, I? I wonder why they would recommend that you eat corn oil when or soybean basically the world's oil. largest manufacturer of vegetable oil is on here. And then under Berkshire Hathaway, Coca-Cola, Procter & Gamble, Kraft Foods, Johnson & Johnson, Walmart, Nestle. This is a fascinating thing because I did did send you the link to an article yesterday, which Mm -hmm. was on the politico.eu website. It's not on the .com website. Um, So uh, you need to go to the .eu website. Uh, An article from 2017, which is titled, Meet the World's Most Powerful Doctor. Bill Gates. <laughs> Subtitle, 
The software mogul's sway over the World Health Organization spurs criticism about misplaced priorities and undue influence. Uh, yeah, it was initially posted on May 4th, uh, 2017, and updated on May 8th, 2017. And it does include some, some numbers um, about the, the, the amount of money given and how it is meant to be used. And um, it's a fascinating read. Uh, one of the subheadings uh, within the article is titled Strings Attached. And uh, quite a good read. I got nothing more other than, than that. Just um, that th this is spurring for uh, for me. Like to uh, this this I, I keep getting links to articles and things, mm -hmm. and some of them I read, some of them um, I I don't because either I don't have time or yeah. I could could find out relatively quickly that it was biased in a direction that I wasn't interested in necessarily in that opinion. Um, or yeah, whatever. But. Well, that's the tough one. Like, if you're going to write an article that has an opinion in it, like. It's going to be biased. It, yeah, and it's it, like and, it's and it can be classified as somewhere, you know, before noon or afternoon on the clock, you know, either to right. the right of to noon or to the left of noon. Yeah. So I accept that. But there's a problem when, the when there is no balance. And I, I think, like, obviously I have my biases, but they tend to go back and forth i think one of the problems is like not recognizing that you're unable to change your mind about something yes instead i'm trying to figure something out and then when i go to a news source okay it's cnn i know there's going to be some shit on trump and how bad he is and how this whole disaster is singularly his fault even though every country in the world is somehow having a disaster right now but ours is specifically because of him Okay, um, that's that's what I can expect on CNN. Yeah, and then okay. you, you go to Fox, and it's kind of a mishmash, um, but mostly in favor of and against all the other stuff that CNN is against. So those two news stations go out, and I never look at them anymore. I'm just using them as like far examples. It's the WWE of dramatized news. Yeah, you go to Guardian left, you go to Politico. It seems to be somewhat center. But every once in a while, it'll dip one way or the other. If you go to National Review, obviously, it's to the right. If you go to yeah. the Hill, it's... It goes both ways sometimes. It kind of goes both ways, yeah. Yeah, you go to The Economist, which I don't because I didn't pay for the subscription. I used to have a subscription to the print magazine Yeah, because I used to spend a lot of time on airplanes. And the Economist, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was also, I think, one of the recommendations of a friend of mine who was trying to get into the agency a bunch of years ago, 20 years ago, to mm -hmm. 18 years ago. The recommendation was basically read every article in The Economist for a year and then come back and talk to us. And I thought, oh, that seems like a, maybe an interesting magazine to read. <laughs> they seem to be. <laughs> I'll pick that one up. Not, not that you would be guaranteed to get in, but you would be no. reasonably educated on the goings-on in the world. Yeah, so it seems fairly accurate. So, that's, so you just sort of... Um, you know, let's see, include Business Insider and, you know, along with yeah. those other titles. And that's kind of my and Bloomberg, surf Bloomberg zone. seems to be okay. Okay. Actually. And I don't know why, but their articles, I can't seem like they do obviously have a side and it tends to be, it tends to be towards obviously uh, fiscal conservatism, but they're not totally against like social issues. So they yeah. raise that problem often. So that that seems to be as neutral or, or whatever but 
again, no one knows anything right now on the topic but one of the yeah. one of the interesting things f- for me just on the sort of veracity of various media sources and that kind of thing um and it came up into co- topic of conversation today is just like hey if you go to a brand new news source and you don't know you know what to expect just mm-hmm. give it don't expect an immediate sense of understanding mm-hmm. let it incubate it's seven to ten days mm-hmm. and you will see the trend it's just like fitness a snapshot means nothing a yeah. trend means everything Mm. and this was further um uh uh, complicated when i listened to a lawfare podcast the other day with camille francois about um the abcs of disinformation and the 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 amount of work that goes into exposing not only you know bot networks are apparently fairly easy to identify Mm -hmm. Uh, the more complex sort of disinformation campaigns. One of them, which was a um, IR, IRA international, yes, the, the internet yeah. Russian something. Uh, but it was, but it was a, a campaign called Double Deceit, and they were using um, uh, basically um, surrogate, I don't know, tech workers in in a uh, country in in, in Africa to be posting articles in English that were sort of aimed at steering opinion of African-Americans on certain subjects. And, and it was fascinating to, to see the detective that work that went into a complicated thing like that or the ease with which some things can be exposed, like, oh, this news website has only been up for three weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. and, it's, and it's co-hosted. Um, it's, it's coming from the same IP address as these two other um, sort of websites, and they're both run by this guy, and he's, you know, exposed himself as a, a, a an actual individual on the Facebook group for that, you know, three week old news organization or something. Um, so some things you can you can realize like, ah, oh, yeah, that's suspect. And other things, it's layers upon layers upon layers. And you could you can't find out and you would just exhaust yourself, which actually might be the point. It could be. <laughs> this is I mean, I only say it because <laughs> it is it's hard to find out what's going on like news is mostly opinion and i think you could do without 99 percent of it not to bring it back to the beginning but that's how i feel about nutrition well so and this is but this is where it gets different so you get there's news and it's supposed to be reporting on what's happening and then you have advice from experts it's supposed to be on basically what we've discovered and what the truth of something is like after everything has cessed out we have experts telling us what to do and there really is no question as like nobody questions the authenticity or or uh, the validity of an expert. I mean, if they have enough letters after the name, they're an expert. But we don't split them up to be like, oh, this person practices this thing, and here is his success in this certain field. Um, it's usually just partially related. Like, oh, he's a medical doctor, therefore anything about the human body is taken you know, as gospel. Um, and, and this really doesn't make sense because our medical education, not that I have been through it, but I've seen the result of it, is really not that good, especially when it comes to the basics of health or, you know, let's say staying away from disease. They're, a disease. They're really good at, you know, treating and diagnosing disease um, 
and treating it with through pharmacology or something like that or internal medicine or one of these avenues and surgical um, practices are all very high tech. And I, I like, I'm also grateful for the ability that our medical establishment could do that. But there's like very little, there's like a two week course on nutrition in most medical schools. Yeah, I don't think they go through much at all. I, I remember, I don't want to quote him directly, but talking to Tom, who mm -hmm. is a neurosurgeon yes. at Johns Hopkins, uh -huh. and he doesn't, I think he took like one nutrition course in his yeah. entire litany of schooling, however long that might have been. Right. But if you, under, like in that specific subject, like if you understand how food, like things that you ingest affect your brain, you would think that you would want to know that stuff. But isn't, um, let me go back uh -huh. to the where the the nutrition recommendations mm -hmm. um and, and michael you commented that okay these things are are all things that contribute to obesity but also a profound inflammatory response mm -hmm. within the body right right and doesn't that also sort of set you up to be more susceptible to the current um plague uh, from from what there's no like conclusive evidence but there's a hunch okay. from some very smart people that this has something to do with inflammatory response that there's underlining markers for inflammatory response. And I see it too. Um, obesity is obviously the first part, but if you're like, we talked about today, um, there's people like advising, you know, nutritionally like, hey, you're quarantined. You don't need to worry about those extra pounds right now. You just need to like relax. Like there, which, you know, there's, there's not nothing to that. Like there is some psychological well-being um, that's probably overlooking the status of you know body fat percentage or whatever and in most cases if you're five to ten maybe even 15 pounds overweight you're probably just fine um with an asterisk on that depending on what kind of fat it is mm -hmm. that seems to be vitally important um and, and we don't know because there's very few people that study that specifically but it, like to give you an example do is it the same thing? Like, let's say we all eat in excess. Um, I eat, you know, um, let's say I'll, I'll do the World Health Organization recommendation. I'll just eat what they recommend. So I'm eating fish, but the fish I'm eating is not very fatty. Um, so the percentage of my fat will come largely from vegetable oils, soybean oils, industrial seed oils, stuff that's, you know, mixed in their PUFAs like they like to re recommend. Keegan, you're on your diet, so you get most of your fat from beef, cow, whatever, dairy, even a little bit here and there. And let's say you're, um, let's say you're standard American diet, and you're eating Cheetos and sad, like, totally. And I and I took their recommendation, so I'm not eating a lot of um, processed food other than processed oils. Um, but you're eating the sad diet. If we both, if all of us decided to gain like five to fifteen pounds over the course of the next month what would that fat store as? It is not the same thing. Like they're chemically different. So if you gained weight, Keegan, you gained 10 pounds off of eating too much beef or whatever. Which not would that, be really fucking it, hard. It would be really fucking hard actually. Like if that was your main source, next to impossible, you would have to really like shove food in yeah. and probably eat something else on top of it to slow your um, digestion down a little bit. I, I could gain weight pretty easily on what they recommended. Like if I just ate, I don't know, if I just filled in with that kind of shitty oil, I, I would, I could gain weight. Okay. 
you'd gain weight almost immediately. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm sad. sad. I'm, you're sad. <laughs> but you got to think like, oh, say, so that store, like the, the excess food that is I, not I would burned gain, up. I would gain it almost immediately and it would not be a, a good quality of fat. Is that what you're saying? Well, or, so fat gets stored when it is not used, mm-hmm. right? So you're storing these highly inflammatory omega-6s that convert incidentally into arachnidonic acid and there's a bunch of other they're stored like that that's also how your body processes some toxins is it'll store it in fat so later as those stores start to come out and you know insulin taps into fat storage you start to use those things all of that stuff goes back into the system depending on how inflammatory or anti-inflammatory the mix the mixture of the uh, the essential fatty acid profile is so to say like you're either gaining weight or losing weight and none of this stuff matters it does matter on a chemical basis like these things light up different the quality of the weight yeah you burn corn oil or you burn lard they're just two totally different things just thermogenically one is like the old saying you are what you eat like if you eat a cow you're not a cow but what you're ingesting does go into your cells yes and then your cells use that or don't use that or it affects your cells and what that cow ate informed what that cow was that which will inform what you are like to not to to blow that out of proportion and say oh it doesn't matter is to neglect all of life on earth like it's to neglect the process of every single living thing it's all connected to the next thing that eats it that eats it and now we eat plastic and garbage and we wonder why we have a bad response from a virus that may or may not be all that harmful I mean, if, if the numbers are right, if they ran the, I read that Stanford study to you, which is like an aggregated study that tried to look at, they think that it's possible that this is 50 to 75 times more contagious than they actually contend, which that sounds really dangerous, except when you understand that actually most people already have it, and which means it's way less deadly than what we think that it is, because you just changed the denominator. Yeah, or the numerator. Sorry, like the so it it's possible that it's fifty to seventy five percent more contagious. Yes, times I think, not percent. Okay, I and I'll have to find stuff again. It's a it's not like the end all be all, and I don't want people to take that as gospel. But if somebody if that ends up even being partially true the denominator changes almost instantaneously. Like you you get something like half a percent or something. And then when you start to look at who's actually really affected, uh, they they did a really good study on the people who made it to the worst cases of this. Okay. Uh, 72% of them are obese. That is the common factor going into the worst cases, age and obesity. And you're like, well, what is it? Because we didn't conclude. For the past 10 years, we've been defending people's rights to like body positivity. You're not fat. You're just big boned. You're not, you're not obese. There's just more of you to love. Like You don't have an eating problem. You just love to eat. Hashtag like, take up space. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, and now you're looking Hashtag at it like- just tax the luggage. <laughs> that's a real risk factor. So what's nice. the other risk factor with contagious diseases? It's like meeting places, right? So we shut that down. Staying your places? Ha- meeting, meeting, <laughs> meeting places to eat now yeah. becomes really dangerous, yeah. right? But in, back to not harp on the personal freedom thing, but I go like, at what point do we go, you know, people are like, you put other people in danger when you go out. 
because you don't know if you have the disease or not. Because if it is that contagious, there is a big possibility that a lot of us are already carrying it. We don't even know it. Um, and I admit, man, that would be really scary. I saw my mom the other day. Hopefully she doesn't die. But also, if we're looking at all risk factors, then a 72% higher incidence in the ICU means that overweight and obese people actually are the biggest threats. Therefore, we mandate restricted no, movement in they, people. Doesn't it mean that they are at the highest risk? Remember that the biggest threat is overwhelming the hospital, like the the medical the the medical establishment. That is the th that's why we flatten the curve. We don't want to overwhelm them, even though they're a billion dollar company making billions of dollars for multiple decades. But now we got to be really nice to those guys because you know they've been advertising their emergency room and they've been advertising all these surgeries that they do. Seven minute wait. Yeah, really fast. You get in and out, and but now they don't want people there. <laughs> I, they've that's, been um, fucking over the American people for fuck since HMOs became a thing. Wait, wait, wait. I'm confused now. Is that a paradox or is that a hypocrisy? <laughs> a paradoxical hypocrisy? Yeah. Like, guys, come to us for your business. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, not, not, not all of you. Yeah, no, no. Not at the same time. Because <laughs> isn't that... And like, I apparently need to read more news. If, Flattening the curve is 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 taking care of some lives because the um, the hospitals won't be overrun, right? So that they'll yes. be able to care for more people. So that does save lives. I I totally admit that, but uh, it, it but it also extends it extends it and doesn't actually reduce the number of people exposed. Right. Correct. Correct. Right? So total over the over the longer time. Yeah, line. the area under it stays the same. It's just not the big peak. Right. That okay. So if we've understood of. that staying home will help flatten that curve to help hospitals, because Lord knows they don't make any money in this country. And we all agree to do that because we really care about our elderly and we really care about, you know, the other people that are at risk, the sick people. Why wouldn't it be a government mandate to lose weight? That would hurt so many people's feelings and nobody would get reelected. Yeah. That, well, all politicians are fat as fuck. So, but yeah. why? If we're talking about saving people, guys, come on, do your part. Lose fucking 30 pounds. I know you don't have 30 pounds to lose. I, I, you know, what are you looking at me for? I, mean, I'm just, I just fit the age demographic. Yeah. <laughs> I the, mean, I could, I, could lose, I could lose 10 pounds. I could probably lose 15. I'd be I couldn't lose 30. skinny, but I'd be cycling days. I, I was going to say, no, you couldn't. <laughs> I mean, I could. You know, yeah, I mean, I could, I could no, lose. No, you tried before. Uh, I remember it was horrible. I got down to 179. Briefly. I was probably way more unhealthy then than I <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and, and that probably, again, like when we say like lose weight, like there is a point where low body fat percentage actually spurs you the other way. And you yes. become highly inflammatory, become unhealthy, your immune but system becomes compromised. But it's nothing that anybody has ever seen. <laughs> no. uh, that, that said, yeah. that, that being yeah. said, um, our friend Sam was on a, um, he, he was realizing that he was making his, his tool better by removing material, like, by, mm -hmm. by removing material, sharpening a knife. Yeah. So he makes the tool more efficient by removing something. And so mm. I kind of turned him on to, um, 
you know, a, a, a uh, thesis by Bruce Lee, which was to, you know, hack away the unessential. And there's a, um, a you know, a, a number of versions of that particular quote. Uh, and I, I saw one, you know, sort of on the, some kind of social media thing somewhere. And somebody said, wait, this is advice from a guy who got so lean, so little body fat that he died. <laughs> He hacked away so much of the, you know, unessential fad that he perished. You know, I don't believe that's exactly the cause of True, death, yeah. but but it was like kind of a funny comment. So just to say that, like, yeah. when it puts when uh, you remove so much uh, fat from your body to get down to a where where does it where does it that, that switch occur to where leanness becomes a negative are we talking three percent seven well i think i you think know, it's I mean, individual I, I, so i think I, I i agree but i'm just like hypothetically i, I just want to single see... digits you probably need to start worrying about immune function okay is my get so let's just, just so single digits yeah. starting at nine yeah um so that gives me a pretty good idea of what power of binoculars most people would need to see a body fat percentage in themselves that would be negative. I mean, a, a sure. low body fat percentage. At the start of net, like the, the question of maybe I've gone a little bit too far in losing weight. Right. I could just stay here at 9% and I'll probably be fine. And I think the thing, so some, if you're sleeping just fine, yeah. if you are um, eating normally without any kind of hunger issues, overeating, bingings, that like randomized behavior that goes in with dieting. Any you're kind of pendulum type behavior. Yeah, you're yeah. totally fine. Um, I think libido would be a good marker for that. Like if yes, you hormonal. didn't have it, yeah, 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 something's probably going on. Yeah, reduce libido. Like if your hair and nails are growing, like yeah. that's generally a sign that you have plenty of nutrition on board. Um, for females, um, under fifteen percent probably gets a little bit ridiculous. If you lose your period, you should probably back off a little bit. Like, can't even. And say we're not word. dispensing advice, so um, just commentary. Just, just. So in inside that, jokes and innuendo. And in that case, I, I think in nutrition, like specifically for nutrition, you should start to eat like as densely nutritious as possible. Because which, which didn't seem to be on that thumbs up part of the. <laughs> yeah, that was outlawed. Yep. The, the list, the stuff with the, the, the highest nutritional density yeah. was in the forbidden category. Yeah. Yep. Fatty beef. If you just ate the. The middle forbidden category, yeah. like the steak, butter, ghee, you'd probably be, you'd probably lose a bunch of weight. Lard, was the did say anything about organ meat in uh, there? No, I don't think who knows what organ meat is. <laughs> they it's do. They donate that to people. Or <laughs> Fatty meat, butter, coconut oil, cream cheese, ghee, and lard. I mean, yeah, coconut I, oil, I don't like coconut yeah, oil. I'm not either. a proponent of it, but it is a proven anti-inflammatory. <laughs> it's like, uh, it. It's just like this stuff bog. They've shown through studies that it reduces inflammation in the brain by a massive percentage, and that's that's come from somebody like I don't eat it, I don't use it, I don't like coconut. I don't, like it makes my throat feel weird. Like I, I'm a, I have a sensitivity to it that just doesn't jive well with me. Right, but it doesn't mean it's not good for you. 
Mm. It just means I don't respond. Like, and mm. when I look at it, I'm not from tropical descent. Like I don't like that's not in my genetic heritage. So maybe I just have an abnormal response to it. I mean, looking at that whole don't eat list that I just reread, like that's basically my diet right now. Yeah. And the thing I find interesting is those are foods you really can't overeat because yes. it gets to a point where palate fatigue, yeah. fullness, like there's just a point where it's like, I don't want that anymore. I mean, and, we we cooked like the other night, we cooked like six ribeyes or some shit and two top sirloin. And then Aaron made a pot, like I mean a gigantic pot of chili, which funny enough, had like six pounds of ground beef in it yeah. and like one can of black beans. Like, that's like, like, <laughs> it's a good ratio. That's, that's the, the there ratio. There was like 15 of, pounds of meat being cooked. Yeah, for sure. Time. And after about, I don't know, uh, one steak and a couple other, I, was, I can't eat anymore. Yeah. I had like one bowl of soup and a steak and I was done for the night. That was all I ate that day. And I went home and I was like, I'm stuffed. Yeah, this, this advice from a World Health Organization that purports to have the best interest of people in mind is completely false. And I, you know, I, I can't comment on their advice on uh, a pandemic because I don't, that's not my subject, but you start talking about nutrition that we've dealt with for, you know, collectively multiple decades now and have, you know, our own little style to how we eat and how we uh, advise other people to eat in order to accomplish X, but they don't look that different. They all look wildly different than what the fucking World Health Organization says. And I don't see the World Health Organization spitting out healthy people. No, definitely not. So I don't like. Don't I mean, I mean that is essentially them. the standard American diet. And yeah, we, for sure. We're this virus right now is proving our country is not healthy. <laughs> so back to the practical advice. Are, are we giving advice or are we just talking oh, about it? Excuse oh. me. <laughs> the, the, I was going to return to the practical part of the discussion of like, what can you do? Well, obviously. So I can go through what I'm doing currently mm -hmm. and you guys can follow along if you so choose. But um, I've pretty much gone back to a, an all meat diet. I don't want to label it carnivore because I had cornbread the other day and we got a sourdough starter in the mail. And if we decide to smoke some sourdough, I'm for sure going to eat that shit. But I'm kind of looking at it as like, if I lived on a farm 200 years ago, what would I have access to? What would I eat? How would I do it? And to me, that's butter, steak, eggs. For me, that's about it, because I'm not a big fan of chicken. Um, maybe a burger here and there. Every once in a while, I'll sneak off to In-N-Out and get some burgers without patties just as a treat. But I'm going to go back to the red meat, eggs, butter, for the most part, diet. And training-wise... Everything's been relatively low intensity as yeah. far as I can tell. So I, at one point, you know, I was, I was kind of hitting some hard efforts and it's just between the stress of everything going on, getting settled back into a routine here, it didn't seem beneficial to go into the gym, kill myself, lay on the ground for an hour and then be totally useless to myself and everybody else around. So it's been 30 to 90 minute longer efforts where whatever machine I'm on or whatever I'm doing when I'm done with it. I'm done and you get off and you're kind of like, oh, I feel pretty fucking good right now. Let's go about the day, work, take the dog for a walk, whatever, as opposed to like trying to add more stress to what's already a fairly stressful time. I like that. I was actually looking in Maffetone's big book of endurance today. And because I was trying to, you know, we're working on the endurance manual and trying to sort of determine what will be the formula for establishing certain parameters for people to work within. 
and uh, and just you know working with his formula, um, I realized that my sort of aerobic level right now, based on not having done much endurance type activity for a long time, um, plus my advanced age, um, <laughs> plus some chronic injuries. You're like 125 to 115 or something? Fuck, 105. I mean, think about it. Like 180 minus my age. I'm just going to round up to 60 because I'm 58. And so that takes me to 120 immediately. Oh, that's right. I take 10 off for not having, you know, for coming uh, back into yep. exercise, whatever. And then, and then the injuries. It, and... and Then it's injuries, not sickness, because, you know, one of, the, one of the other sort of five-beat kind of um, subtractions would be for, do you get more than two colds a year? Do you yep. have asthma? Do you have, you know, any of these things? But um, just like, yeah, some chronic injuries that won't go away. But they're not necessarily exercise-related, so right. I can't really tell. So I just go 105 to 110. And you I were just, up in the one thirties or one forties before when you trained, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Somewhere around, somewhere around there. But now I just realized, like, yeah, I walked the dog uphill. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm there. That is what is, you know, that is something which is beneficial. I just can't do it for long enough to trigger the, um, the, the you know, the, the actual benefits because the intensity is so low. It does take us a, 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 a fair amount of time. Yeah, and not and it and that doesn't. Um, work when I, yes, I accumulate that much time, say over the course of the day, but accumulated blocks of 20 minutes hmm. that lead to an hour and 10 hour and 15 hour and 20 or whatever is not the same as a consistent output at that zone for an hour and 10 hour and 20. Right. Yeah. Anyway, I thought that was a kind of some f- funny, not fuzzy. Well, math. cause I did the, <laughs> no, I did the same thing when I started, uh, building base again, I was like, oh, you know, Hold 147, 148, it's an old zone two number. Yeah. I was 10 fucking years ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I should probably <laughs> knock that down. And it's funny because when I was using that number, I was like, this is really fucking hard. Like, this is the same, this is the <laughs> same it effort. Feel that I, this way. I'm just circuit training now. Like, I'm just <laughs> yeah, high but, intensity but training. Circuit, but with, yeah. with no interval rest period. <laughs> so I switched mine and I, I dropped down to 140. Okay. And between 130 and 140 is generally where I go for stuff that's over an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was testing some stuff lately because I've been doing that for almost 10 weeks now, eight weeks, 10 weeks. Yeah. I think I'm on 10 weeks. Um, and I haven't done anything. I haven't let my heart rate get over 155, mm-hmm. um, at least, you know, intentionally. For a prolonged time or whatever. Or not, you know, substance-induced <laughs> panic or whatever, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Um, or I watched a scary movie or something. I don't know. They So... I've that been just, meth will really do it to you. Yeah, right. Oh, that every meth. every time. Yeah. So I've been building base, building base, and build, and not like I haven't been able to go as far as I've wanted, because um, I've wanted to go into the two and three hour, and I can only manage to get like ninety minutes, and every once in a while get a two hour thing. Because time constraints. Yeah, work it, life. Whatever. Yeah, and sitting yeah. in a building and doing two hour shit is like it's not yeah. feasible psychologically when I have too much shit to do. I could probably do it if, actually, I can't do it if there's no reason to do it other than to do it. Like if I was building base for an event, yeah, it, it becomes so much easier because I can, okay, I need to be prepared for something. This is preparing for nothing. Dude, the event is your life. <laughs> well, I mean, the event, it's not an event, but like you're preparing to do other things in the gym in the future. Yeah. 
and we're never going to do anything that often that's over 60 minutes, maybe 90. Sometimes usually. two hours. Yeah. yeah. Every once in a while, there's something in there. So, But I've been just building out you know, the normal schematic and trying to involve as many different movements as possible, mostly trying to get better at like 90-minute runs, that kind of deal. And so I tested it on Sunday because um, I did I've done a couple different tests to test it today was another one and um, I tested some circuit the three six nine whatever wall ball um, kettlebell swing air bike calories just going back and forth I never broke uh, 150 and I finished For heart rate yeah and I finished in literally like probably five minutes faster than I did that last time and, and I would have been in the 170s, 165, 170 right. area. And I was like, oh, that's good. And then today um, I did just trying to ride the bike and then every three minutes do one uh, snatch at, you know, 65%, something light just to like, is kind of considered a, uh, a recovery workout. But I couldn't get my fucking heart rate up. So it was like 119 average. And my wattage on the air bike was 330. <laughs> And I, I couldn't get it over 125 without like, it was like, this is okay. It's either like a down day or an up day. I had a long run yesterday for 90 minutes. So that might've been what made it suppressed a little bit, yeah. but I was kind of shocked at what the power that could come out. Or maybe all that meat, you know, slowed your recovery. I'm definitely inflammatory right now. Um, so you are indeed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I am that, inflamed. That, that last podcast that no. was inflammatory. No, that was kind of more me being inflammatory, but I, so my stuff it looks a lot I mean we've talked about it quite a bit about like if you're going to train during this period of time risk is the dumbest thing you can do. Um lifting heavy even though we're promoting like getting strong um you should be very intelligent about how you approach getting strong. Like using every kind of compensation you can in order to not put undue risk on anything that you could hurt because it's harder to get into body work people. It's harder to work get chiropractors, doctors, anything. And there's a lot of injuries that come from that. Yeah. I think people might be more susceptible to injuries right now too. I mean, you're laid off from work, yeah, you're stressed, stressed. Yeah. you know, food's not great. Maybe alcohol, mm -hmm. sleep sucks. All that obviously goes into the, you know, your cup or whatever you want to call it. When you go into the gym and you go, Oh, four or five and a deadlift piece of cake. Yeah. It's 90%, but I can lift it whenever. And it's like, well, maybe it's not 90% right now because your stress is through the fucking roof. Yeah. You're having a hard time paying bills. You're arguing with your significant other. Your kids are home 24-7, which never in a million years did you ever think would happen. And there's just a lot more things putting stress in your body than going into a gym and be like, I'm going to kill Fran today or yeah. whatever. That's a good point. Uh, again, <laughs> I mean, we talk about those states going back and forth like – if you're constantly in some stressful state, then high intensity training is probably not the thing for you. Piling stress on stress. Yeah. I had a, a kind of an interesting conversation about risk with somebody the other day with our friend John Sims. Mm. And he had been out with a, um, a, a partner and he's, you know, and, and, and John is, you know, he's trying to, you know, develop a sort of, to, to understand whether his relationship to risk is healthy, how to, sort of assess, mitigate, exploit, um, you know, his, that, that relationship in order to fulfill ambition in, you know, in the mountains. And, um, they were trying to do a new route and, um, and, and he said, yeah, it was, it we got to a point where it was like a half inch thick sort of delaminating ice delaminating from the rock. Mm. And, um, 
and my partner and I both decided we should go down. Like, okay, this is too risky. We are going to descend. John was more concerned that the entire sort of ice sheet might delaminate from the rock. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, pitching them into the void, then then he, you know, he he would he would suffer really dire consequences. His partner, I hope I'm not outing this guy, John. Sorry if I am. Um, but his, his partner's response, and this is a valid conversation, was like he didn't want to take the risk of trying to climb this pitch because there were no sort of rescue and services, and, and, and he might want to go to the hospital, and that was the last place um, that he would end up. And so John was trying to parse whether, like, okay, is that— I don't think he was, his comment was, I don't think I've ever addressed, you know, that, that, that moment of decision of, do I take the risk? Do I not take the risk? It's never been dependent on the supposed availability of rescue and medical attention. Yeah. And so he asked me what my perspective was. And I, and, and I thought, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because even though, um, like the availability of, rescue services i mean i used to carry a fm radio um before you know cell phones Mm -hmm. sort of in 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 the alps and the availability immediacy efficiency of the rescue services there is amazing did i let that influence the risks that i was willing to accept in the mountains i don't think so i don't Mm. I, i don't know what i do know is that when I was in Alaska or the Himalayas and depending on the season, the risk equation is different, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to do with, Oh, we don't have radio contact here. It has to do with it's fucking minus 35. If you drop your mitten, you're not going to lose fingertips. You're losing your fucking hand. Mm -hmm. Um, it's like, it's, it's, it's an escalation of consequences in a sense of, of, Okay, we we are for sure. You know, it's even in the Alps. It's almost you know. You know my ethic was always okay. If there's a problem, we self rescue. Mm-hmm. If that's not possible, and we will work as hard as we possibly can to make that possible, then maybe we call someone. One of those instances where I was um, carrying a radio and I would dearly have enjoyed using it and benefited from it. It would have saved me a long, awful walk back to the cable car um, after having pulled a big ice block off on myself and fallen mm. and put an ice tool through my cheek, dislocated my jaw. Um, you know, well, that same incident broke the antenna off my radio. <laughs> <laughs> so had I been counting on it, which I was kind of, but it wasn't the radio that gave me permission to, yeah. to like do the thing. Um, and, and, and it wasn't the rescue services. It wasn't the, the, very good quality medical attention that would be available. And so, you know, when I keep hearing this idea of like, this is not a time to take risk and this is, we're not talking about the gym situation necessarily, although why not? Um, I don't, when I hear people saying, no, we should kind of reduce our risk. I think, oh, that's the mountain bike trail that's within sight of town where, you know, you wouldn't ever think of self-rescue. You'd like crash, break something and medical attention would come to you or you'd be, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe you're riding your road, you know, you're riding your longboard, you know, or something where normally you would have rapid and ready access to medical attention. I think that that's the kind of situation where taking the risk or in the gym. 
Yeah. You know, not that you're going to the hospital, but going to see, get body work done. Yeah, practitioner. You know, some kind of, um, you know, chiropractic work or something like that. Also not not available. Um, That might influence your behavior in the gym. Um, But out in the mountains, it should not be a thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, (laughs) how you made the difference between them, it makes total sense that, I I mean, I've, I've never done something risky and thought that was okay because somebody could come and save me and they could mend my broken bones or something. Yeah. Uh, That's mostly out of ignorance because I didn't think it was possible to get hurt. (laughs) Like I I just didn't like, I trust it. I like, I was, I was confident that I wouldn't get hurt. And I think, that's been true. Like I, I think I've stayed out of trouble in all the cases where I took undue risk, all the times that have really gotten hurt. I, it wasn't even consider consideration about the you, risk. There was no risk analysis because yeah, you because, didn't um, perceive any risk. Yeah. It was like flat ground, whatever, yeah. you know, <clears throat> so, or the, 65% of max. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, so would that, would that have changed for you guys? Like when we've, you know, heard stories a lot about you guys riding your bikes in mm-hmm. Bulgaria. Like, were there instances where you're like, ooh, maybe we shouldn't do this because going to a hospital here is not something we might not even have access to? I did that in Bulgaria when we were descending um, the antenna one time. Um, Yeah. Because the light, it just, it crosses weird, and there's lots of shadows and potholes, and it's really hard to tell the difference. And and we used to- Bright sunlight, dark shadow. Bright sunlight, dark shadow, deep pothole. We used to haul (laughs) Good combination. I mean, I, I would- consistently hit like 58 miles an hour down that thing on a bike and, and dodge cars in and out. And it's, it's, it's fairly sketchy. And I remember one time I just, I remembered where I was and I was like, I don't want to go to a hospital here. So I think in that case, it would have been a similar thing as John's friend. I was doing the same thing. I was yeah. just like, well, I don't trust the medical attention right, right now. Therefore, man, maybe I do subconsciously risk things knowing that there is this infrastructure there it, to take care of Or take more me. risk because you're wearing a helmet. Yeah. yeah, which has yeah, been yeah. proven in the incidents yeah. of like people starting to ski and snowboard wearing helmets, yeah. and the the, the level of risks that were acceptable, you know, increased you know over a ten year period, and um, and and there was a but and there was also a, at that time that we were up the other side of that thing mm-hmm. that was like nineteen kilometers of cobblestones, <laughs> and it was not bad on the way up. No. Flying on the way down, not so. No, my hands were bleeding because it vibrated so, like so bad. Yeah. Like numb from the elbows down at some yeah. point, you realize, well, I, I can't oh go slow because I can't activate the brain. <laughs> I can't yeah. lose my fingers. And that's only making it worse, but we can't, there's no other way to go down, which, which I thought was just like, oh. The bigger risks there, I think that we were like, were the times that we got lost. Yeah. yeah, you know where the map didn't, you know, uh, was unuseful. And we're like, wow, we're way out here now, and this is, you know, these bikes probably look like a year's worth of eating. <laughs> um, yeah, or riding in Italy, where well, there was a couple instances where you you could just fly down. The roads are built for it. Like yeah. in the cars, know you're there, so they move out of your way when you're descending. And so, like all circumstances point to go faster. 34 um, switchbacks on the Portoy or whatever. Yeah. Except for when it's hailing at the top and you start to descend and you have nothing but like shitty vest on and like un- totally unprepared Hands for the weather. Numb. 
And then when you hit the brakes, you stop shivering. So you like let go of the brakes, you speed up, you start shivering, and then so you slow down, you stop shivering. I need to reduce the wind chill. (laughs) And then, yeah. I I do want to call out uh, dear friends of ours, uh, Elodie and Cece. I was talking to Paul today, and they've taken, I think Elodie skateboarded for a long time, but Cece's now learning. And she keeps putting up photos of Cece falling. And I'm like, man, you guys got to fucking be careful. Like, yep. you don't want to shatter your ankle and have to go hang out in a hospital. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't think it's great we're there right now. But, I mean, then it goes back into, like, taking care of your own. You know, you circle the wagons. You're with your inner circle. Is going to the hospital and spending time there in the best interest of everybody yeah. within that circle. S- some things are so enjoyable that they seem to be worth the risk. Um, and the, apparently they're so enjoyable, it's worth breaking the law for, mm. and then they have to put 37 tons of sand in the skate yeah, no park. Shit. Oh, Jesus. I and I'm, that. I'm not saying like, if something's risky, don't do it, but right. pay attention to it. Or yeah. At least think about well, it. Well, I thought about it because like it's warm enough to go ride my mountain bike now. All the trails are dry, and, yeah. I, and I'm, but I'm seeing people out when I'm like running on the trails, I can see them on the mountain bike trails, and I'm like... I don't like I would have to be really specific about what kind of trail I ride because man there's a lot of crashing that goes on on mountain bikes like I would really have to mitigate that I mean I might just be on fucking gravel roads like the like flat gravel roads might be the answer Um, but I, I mean at least it's being thought about. I don't think a lot of people are I saw a mountain fucking downhiller go fly I mean like fucking flying past and I was like I, I not for me no it's all. not but i mean more power to you yeah like right on man i like i i don't know what you're thinking or not thinking but or maybe you're just that but fucking it's, but good. it's different See, that's yeah. the thing that's why i said not for me yeah but if that's if that's it you're 80 right now yeah. or whatever yeah. risk you, you know whatever you know your technical competency your knowledge of the trail and the the risk you're willing to accept right now if that's in your wheelhouse wow that's that's go fucking incredible yeah and this this is one of the problems like i think with like you know we get on here and a lot of these jokes turn like bitching sessions about the way things are or who's taking advantage of the system or why people are making money off of this thing while other people are not a lot of those things like they have nothing to do with conspiracy theories they're just gripe or whatever and in the griping it gets taken that we aren't thinking about things when it's actually, in fact, the opposite, we've thought about things so much that we're on the other side of it and we have jokes like that. That's <laughs> that's how I look at it. It's like I'm and we can also, I think, see our um, participation mm-hmm. within these things that we're thinking about. Right. Like we can observe ourselves. Yes. And say, oh, yeah, I, well, I, were I to go. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I took my bike out and mm-hmm. rode on some single track because mm-hmm. I hiked up this thing that was too steep to ride up. The only way to get down was to ride down, I guess, um, on, on a, a different trail, whatever. And but I, at that time, I realized, like, well, I'm not going to go over that way. And I'm certainly not going to go down the bobsled. And because it's because that's too close to what my limit is. Like, I'm yeah. not I don't have the familiarity, mm-hmm. but there are other activities where I might take the risk. Maybe a road bike or, you know, whatever, where I feel like, okay, I'm operating it so far below my 
margin of safety here that, you know, what is appears to be insanely risky, like that guy going mm. by you on the mountain bike, um, to, to someone observing me, um, might not be so for me. And and it's and look, it's far be it for me to to judge others' relationship and expression of that relationship with risk, um, because I did it from you know most of my you know, previous life. So here's what I do on the same count. And when people are going out and protesting or whatever, I go, yeah, not not for me. I probably agree. But I don't think, A, the behavior shows what the point is, right? Like, I, I think they think that it flies in the face of, like, people telling them to stay home. And it shouldn't do that. It should, like, if you want people to hear you, they need to understand where you're coming from. And in order to some to understand, you have to, like, find another way that kind of transcends both ideas. And I haven't found a way to do that yet other than just questioning what's going on and refusing certain things. Um, I don't know anybody that lives where we live that had, that started isolating before, like as soon as we did. I don't, I really don't like Utah is still fairly open, but then our definition of isolation is also different. True. I, we were just care. We, okay. I'll say like we were careful <laughs> up front. Yeah. Before people were even thinking about it. Before there was an order, before it was even an order in any state in the United States, we were talking about isolating and cutting off certain things. Getting ready and like, you know, I think I, I guess it'll, it'll be the episode right before this one where I talk about, look, we, we just, we acted early to protect what was important to us Mm -hmm. based on the information that was available, whether that information was, you know, lacking and our reaction was an overreaction mm-hmm. or you know, uh, um, doesn't matter. But we decided, look, th- these people are important. This space is important. Our work is important. It must be protected. So we mitigated the risk. So we mitigated the yeah. risk mm-hmm. as we understood it. Yeah. And it's and um, and I and I think we are still doing so. Mm-hmm. Uh I mean, I, I honestly feel that where we are, based on the numbers, our ability to, you know, make some choices due to our privilege mm-hmm. um, or, you know, whatever, that like, oh, I can go to a grocery store at a particular time. I can drive to a grocery store where there is less, where it's less populated, should I want to reduce my exposure when I go get groceries? Mm. Uh, I can have much of it delivered. I, I ordered coffee beans today from a local place. I could mm. just drive by. Right. But like, look, they'll, they'll send it in but, the mail. And <clears throat> then that, then that's, you know, it's safer for them. It's safer for me. Mail carrier, different but government employees so essential. <laughs> Not to Sorry. beat the risk assessment <laughs> horse to death, but I think the same thing applies to the fitness as mm-hmm. the grocery store. You show up to Whole Foods, the parking lot's packed. I'm going to go try another place. Yeah. You're at yeah. the top of the mountain. You want to bomb down it, and you go, man, I saw a lot of cars in the parking lot. There's a bunch of people on bikes. I trust myself, but I don't. Foot. Yeah, yeah, I trust myself. I don't necessarily trust others. I'm going to take this a little more precautiously than I normally would have. But all the things that we're describing have to do with autonomy, 
like every step, no matter what the circumstances. And that is what has gotten dissolved in the conversation about what everybody should do. We are not saying what everybody should do. We're saying that you should think about it. Like everybody should think about what they're doing and then make a decision and do what you feel is best. And if that's the wrong thing, well, guess what? We have a civilization full of wrong people and people will die as a, a consequence of it. The result of like whatever is happening is the result of what the culture is. It deserves, it manifests what it deserves. But I, th I think an another thing about that is that you know, and we've we've discussed it before that that in fitness, you know, people have said, "I don't want to think; I just want someone to tell yeah. me what to do," and that become and then extrapolate that to this situation. I'm scared. I have fear. I just want someone to tell me what to do, as if because hey, if you're scared and it's the first time in your life, of course you can't think for yourself. Especially when you've probably had a if, whole life of somebody else telling you what to do. Or, leading or, up to it for sure if it has always been the habit but i but i think it is the presence of fear and a and and a a, a brand new a fresh relationship with it like you've never experienced fear before of course it's paralyzing it's got butterflies because it's, it's new yeah exactly <laughs> it's a three month period it's the honeymoon <laughs> yeah so, yeah but then like oh i get scared i resolve i get scared i resolve i get stressed there's a res resolution to the stress you know all of those things like when there's a consistent sort of cycle of that stimulus of fear and the, and, and the response to fear the relationship to it then pretty soon it becomes relatively comfortable, at least to the point where you can think rationally mm -hmm. it within the situation as it is happening. And that is exactly what is not happening right now. Right. I think a lot of people got blindsided by this thing. They've never been scared of something like this that, you know, just seems to randomly strike people down, um, et, et, et cetera. And, you know, with fatal, and you can't tell who has it, it's asymptomatic. So you might be spreading, you might be, you know, receiving um, with, you know, just through normal conversation. I went to my coffee shop and then two weeks later I died, you know, or something like that. Of course, people are going to be scared as fuck. And unfortunately, there is no one who covered, you know, no expert who covers all of the different factors and we discussed it before, you know, it's the, the epidemiology, the sociology, the psychology, mm. all of these things. There's no one who has a handle on all of that, and, and we certainly don't, mm. who can give a bit of advice that isn't necessary. You know, it's not th that's uniform, that's unified, mm. that's, that is, doesn't contradict something else or whatever. So it's super confusing, adds to the fear and adds to the paralysis. So I understand. And then the other thing that happens when people get scared and they can't resolve it and they can't think rationally about it, they lash out. And when I see people showing up in the, 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 the more sort of not violent protests, but the, the more um, vigorous, let's say, mm -hmm. protests, that to me seems like ir you know, lashing out mm -hmm. and not sort of a measured response. It's like, hey, you're trying to confine me. I'm going to resist. I'm like, hey, let's have a conversation about what could what the useful things that can be done right now based on the knowledge that we have. Yeah, which in, you know, in I was talking to Vince today um, 
when uh, I guess I'm going to call him out. He'll listen to this anyway. Uh, he's been facing some anxiety and panic like a lot of people have. Mm-hmm. Um, and he realized that he was offset, like he was actually affecting his wife negatively. And he had to like check himself. And it was like, at least you noticed. Like, yeah. and, and then in which case, you know, it came to a conversation about like, what are you worried about? And I think <clears throat> this entire thing, um, it's not that stressful for me. Like the new, the overwhelming and new, it's frustrating, but it's not stressful because A, I've never relied on other people anyway. The news is just entertainment. And now it's just became like an irritating show that I have to watch to try to, you know, sort out information or whatever. And I think it's not stressful because I like I've accepted death so long ago, like as it is just a function of life. I have a relationship with it. Like whenever it happens, I'm not going to like let it happen. If I have some kind of, you know, input, I'm going to try to resist it because I actually enjoy the counterpart to it. But it is a function of life. And we have forgotten as a like civilization that it is the part of life. And I think what you're witnessing is people's reaction to having to deal with it. Like it's it's and, a fucking sniper in a tower. You're like, oh God, is it gonna get me? Like I don't, you're just panicking, running around in fucking S pattern to try to dodge. Because of the, the expectation you have that life will last X amount of time. Right. And then suddenly it's like, maybe not. And if it wasn't, this is my point. If it wasn't gonna last what you expected, what what would you have wished you did different? Build a house. <laughs> Paint a portrait. Plant a tree. <laughs> Sorry. I feel like I'm on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're about to drive into that bridge button. And, you know. <laughs> but that, that, that really is like, uh, like there is something so soothing about closing your eyes and just accepting the fact that you're going to die. And when you like smile at that, it gives you the ability to let go of whatever panic that is. And you can walk into the next phase, whatever that is. It's so weird we've created a culture where you have to accept the one thing that you have zero control over. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Like, I don't know why this popped into my head, but like the pain of getting a tattoo. Mm-hmm. You're always apprehensive about that, yeah. but it's your choice to do it. Yeah. So you have to accept like, I made this decision. I'm going to go through with it. This mm-hmm. might suck. You have no choice about death. It's yeah. just going to happen. Yeah. Like you can accept it or not accept it. It's not going anywhere. No. And every, it's a hundred percent of humans will die. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent of the time. Oh, it is. It's the best statistic that we have on human civilization. It's like, it's the most it's accurate. It's the most accurate. And, and that's like, I, I feel for it. Like it is really hard to deal with. I, like there's a lot of, a, a lot of people are going to have a problem with it. The other part of it is that it might be the biggest gift of a crisis like this, it actually destroying so many lives and destroying so many fundamentals all at once of what we a take for granted and b built incorrectly. Um, and the only way to reset that stuff is to just kill everything and wipe down the slate. Uh, it, it's like it is a natural enema. It's like Mother Nature's fucking coffee enema. Come in. It's a Corona enema. <laughs> and and it's just like... Oh, New not market, to, folks. <laughs> yeah, sure. 
to, not to you know get too positive about it, but it, it literally picks on the weak. Like it calls the weak and the people that haven't taken care of themselves necessarily or are just unlucky. And that is a totally unfortunate thing. But guess what? Like not everybody deserves to live. And I don't think like that is, you're not you're not guaranteed a, a certain life quality. You're just guaranteed once you are living that you get to live and that you also get to die. Those are the only guarantees. Everything else is, I don't know, negotiable. Yeah. And everybody's trying to figure out the best way to live as long as possible and who's going to make it to 120 and who's going to do that. And I just, I don't want to overstay my welcome. And I feel like that's what a lot of us or a lot of people are doing right now because of technology, medicine, it's not a good quality of life. You're just kind of there. No, I, I posted that. We talked about it in the office, but I'll just mention because I posted this article, the build article. Uh, it was a really well-written article. I can't imagine disagreeing with somebody almost more, <laughs> but I posted it because it's really well-written and there's the dangers in bad ideas is that somebody can convince you of bad ideas. And the idea behind this thing was like, oh, we need to build more. We need to like more infrastructure, more schools, more hospitals, more this, more that. And I go, no, because that doesn't, you're not like, you're not building good people. Right. You're just building stuff. And we've already experienced materialism in the 21st century and, and what it does to humans. I think we've, we've kind of established what it does. Um, and it's not good necessarily. And so, although I disagree with it, there's some things I do agree with, like, you know, focusing on, you know, taking money away from defense spending and putting it where it fucking matters. Because there's nothing worth defending if you have a country that is fat and sick. Like, (laughs) why we're not educating people and taking care of them. Therefore, we go like, yeah, now we need fucking nuclear missiles. Look how cool our people are. I can't, like, I... Now, let me just say... (laughs) That I think it's it's incorrectly labeled based on our foreign engagements. Yes, it's not defense. It's offense spending. Yes, and it should be. It, it should like we, we we're talking about redescribing other things. What do you think? I, oh, I thought it was great. Okay, <laughs> I, I mean, I I wasn't expecting like an audience to laugh or anything. I was just like, is that d- d- have I completely misinterpreted? You know, no, they changed our, it. Honestly, there oh. there was laws in place after World War One that dictated what um, what what a defense looked like, and then it got oh. changed by admirals and generals lobbying to change these regulations because they really needed to defend America. So they extended basically the cellular wall of our defense. Okay, and now, now, yeah, yeah, we need a base out here. And then, okay, now, well, we, we can set up this, and it's going to be, you know, non-conflict. It's just information. It's recce. It's whatever. It's much safer. Yeah, well, okay. 20 uh, yeah. years later, like, well, it'd be really opportune right now to put a base there and, like, land some planes and carry some missiles because Russia's getting a little bit out of hand. And before you know it, we're, we're every, everywhere. Yeah. Not, it's not, it, it doesn't help us do anything. Like, it really doesn't. Like, nobody is fucking landing here and fighting us. Yeah, I mean, well. And if they do, then let's talk about defense. Yeah. <laughs> because, and and the way it's going to, those attacks are going to come, it's through the 
it's it's well clearly it's through 5g so we definitely <laughs> need to burn some cell tower and that's not advice well that's just observation like i uh, think anyway uh, the, uh, the odds are uh, that- we i we digressed away from the yeah you know, somewhat practical and you know straight into areas where we are inexpert so we should just shut our mouths I do agree a little bit with that article about building things. I just, I don't view it as like an economical thing. I think socially we could work on building better relationships. We can build a fucking garden in our backyard. We could build a chicken coop to have chickens. Like Mm -hmm. we can do things for ourselves or our circle or our family or whatever the fuck you want to call it that helps everybody as opposed to, you know, trying to put 30 nuclear reactors all over the planet or that, that was kind of like what I took away. I know he didn't mention that, but when he no. talked about building, that was kind of what I was thinking about was like, how do we better build an infrastructure for ourselves as opposed to. I took it like that too. I took it as like, build your own area. Yeah. Like do what you're good at. Build like build better people. And if, if like what we're good at is building better people, right. like teaching them how to, you know, take care of themselves. And then, then it just becomes an exponent of that. That's how I thought of it yeah. too. Um, yeah. All right. I I forget where I am. Um, uh, Mark, long... Mark, you're in Utah. <laughs> oh, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. That means when I go outside right now, it'll be sunny. Possibly. Yeah. It was a good day today. Yeah. It was an SO. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully it'll be uh, a better tomorrow. <laughs> 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 and why is that funny? <laughs> All right. Till next time. Right. So the, the meaning there is if you even take the chances that we're talking about here, there's something definably mentally ill about you because we should protect, we should preserve our life. That should be the hallmark of, of mental health. So that's, a, that's a biological thing for sure. But then also the, um, which feeds the, the sort, sort of societal, the group, the collective idea of wow, we'd like to have this person here contributing for as long as possible because, damn, that guy's a good hunter. Or, you know, or, or whatever it is. And it's also making the assumption that, um, you, you know, hey, if life is better in heaven or whatever spiritual place, so I still can't <laughs> if you're you know, living where I live, if life is better there, why are we afraid to die? Why are we afraid to talk about it? Do it now. Like, I, I don't... <laughs> like, it, it makes the whole idea absolutely ludicrous to say if it's better, we'll go. And, and here, the hypothesis of this paper is it's really good here right now. Don't go. And if you're trying to go by engaging in this, you know, obviously dangerous activity, then you are crazy. <laughs>